Hello and welcome to another gorgeous little episode of The Moments in the Appas, a podcast discussing the Avatar Universe's folklore episode by episode. We are your hosts, Eric Lavibri, Dr. Amber Jones, and Jessica Tercero. Thank you so much for joining us uh, as we continue along our journey through Avatar The Last Airbender. We are in book to Earth. We are into the story now, people. Uh, we're on chapter seven, Zuko alone. In this chapter, our brooding prince goes down some dark memory holes and struggles with his identity. What will he find? Won't it be interesting to find out? We got a Western. We got our first Western. <laughs> and just like so adorable. And this is another one of those episodes where the artists were really flexing to have yeah. the images match the like absolute just like intricate story that they're telling in this like 22 minute episode and there's so much to unpack just in this episode yeah i have so many fucking notes <laughs> it's i feel like this this episode is really good because i think like we've seen Zuko struggle just in general right we like you know like okay he's the fire prince that was like you know burned by his father and outcast and we know his sister's like you know um wild and uh doesn't really like him and thinks he's a screw up and you know we have like all of this kind of context we know that Iroh is a war criminal we know that he lost his son right but in this episode I feel like it as like it's Zuko alone right Zuko like where we left him was he just said like I wrote peace out I'm done right like I'm gonna go off on my own it's gonna be great together anymore yeah and he's gonna figure it out he's gonna do that but like so having all of that context is different than actually like kind of witnessing that right Mm -hmm. and um and I think it's really interesting because we um Zuko's starting to like disassemble who he thinks he is and like really question every decision we see him at the very beginning like have you know that moment where he's like oh cool I'm gonna steal this dude's food wait a second I'm not gonna do that this is a person trying to provide for his family I can't do that so he's starting to see past his own immediate needs and by doing that he's also starting to like reconcile his past too with like you know his mom specifically where he starts to kind of like see her and we don't really know a lot about her mm-hmm. um but then in this episode we see you know um he's like we know that Zuko's always conflicted right he's like kind of good but like he's also bad he's so bad oh my gosh he's so bad but he's like also not that bad right and we don't really know where that comes from like other than maybe Iroh but like we see fundamentally his mother is just so loving and so caring and so supportive compared to even his own sister you know and his grandfather and his dad and everything um and also I think we can see how that care um I sorry I just really want to go into his mom real quick because I had this revelation that I'd (laughs) never had before where like we see we see his mom we see her like be gentle and be like oh like you know um 
why did you th- don't throw bread at that at that duck what the hell and the duck comes back and like bites Zuko the mama duck right mm-hmm. and then takes her kids and leaves right and um this and also Zuko in this moment is trying to like emulate like what his sister does trying to trying on this like suit of like maybe badness and he's like wait maybe this doesn't suit me right mm-hmm. um so his mom says something that um, she says, that's what moms do when uh, you mess with their babies, they bite back. Yeah. Right. And so then later on um, in the episode, we see um, Zuko's mom go to him at the, in the middle of the night and say, everything I did, I did to protect you, no matter what happens, no matter how things seem, remember who you are and don't forget that. And I never pieced any of this together before because mm then going back to Azula like just like the scene before was like oh well grandpa's gonna kill you because daddy was making was trying to like make a play for the throne because like he's like oh well you need to know what it's like to kill your firstborn I heard it dad's gonna kill you because grandpa said so and then having that line in the very top of the episode and like so now I'm just like oh my god I always thought it's, that it was Zuko's dad that killed the Fire Lord because, like, you know, it's it's presented like that. But, like, it was totally Zuko's mom. Zuko's mom fucking killed Grandpa because she didn't want to lose her baby. And that's why she left. That is what I put together, too, because I've thought about it, like, several times. I'm like, it had to be her or at least her idea that if we kill your father, though, like, maybe she also, like... I imagine helped like forge a letter saying that his last wish was for Ozai to be a uh, fire Lord because I, I like, I imagine. So when fire Lord Azulon says like, um, okay, you want to be about that life. Um, if you sacrifice your firstborn son, then maybe I'll do it. I feel like, her reaction was like, are you like fucking serious? Like my, my beautiful baby boy, like Mm -hmm. is going to be a pawn in your little weird father, son, who's the bigger badass bullshit. Like seriously. Um, There's just, there's so much to unpack that we get in this episode and really more of it is the memories that uh it comes up and there are so many like little trigger points um like here's another reason why avatar is just a top quality show is that like you know this show came out kind of before people were really into like binging and re-watching obsessively to get all of like the details and stuff like that but it still has so many details that you can only appreciate on the rewatch like you mentioned like the man like feeding his family and Zuko decided not to rob them like there are also refugees that we see later when Zuko and Iroh are in uh are going to Ba Sing Se and they uh they encounter with like Aang and Katara when they're doing the serpent's pass um and it's just like little details like that that are just so satisfying on the rewatch seeing um, multiple storylines fold out in different ways. Oh gosh. So uh, so I want to talk about 
just the memories and all of the history that comes out in this episode because like we had hints at a lot of stuff but they like dump a whole lot of tea on just this little old episode uh like you said like we know we knew that his mother was dead we knew that Iroh had lost the son like we knew these certain things already is she do they like specifically say that she's dead or she's just gone um i think the implication is she killed what uh azulon and then she was killed immediately after i think one of the comics is about zuko and his mom it is like yeah because she doesn't die she is banished she does oh she like remarries and she has like another daughter and it's a whole other drama so i have talked a little bit just about my head canon about ozai and iroh's past um because oh there's so much like in the towards the beginning of this episode we get um, a letter from Iroh when he's like on the front lines. This is before he Luton has died. Um, we get some beautiful artwork of him breaking through the outer uh, wall of Ba Sing Se that like, you know, if you are on your first watch, you don't know how big of a deal it is that he broke through that wall and it was like just the power of firebenders. Like we don't even know how he did that, but that goes to his like awesome power even in his war criminal days. And you see them like laughing, like, oh, we broke through their um, giant wall, ha 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 ha. Yeah. Um, And it's like, it says so much about like the culture of the Fire Nation at this time, this real like toxicity that is just bubbling up and I think that it's very interesting how like you know this family is waging this war that is like destroying other families is completely like marking the earth and creating all this suffering and they're just like at this point blissfully unaware how it's also going to bubble up and create all of this suffering in their own family like okay so they get to see him like pre-luten dying which is very interesting um and you you can't really tell if it's an act or not um even though they still like call him his like tea loving kookiness so we know that like some of the ira we know definitely exists at this time Mm-hmm. but he's still a guy who's laughing about, you know, breaking through the wall and haha, I'm going to kill a whole bunch of people. And murdering people. Yeah. It's such a strange, it's, this being like our first time seeing this pre-peace Iroh is so bizarre. Yes. Yeah. It's and, like he really does like not see these people as people where like the, you know, the only people that are family to him is like, or our real people are fire nation people and his family and stuff. It's like, yeah. of course he murdered people. Of course he thought this was funny and fun. And he, you know, thought that it was cute to send this dagger as like a war spoil as like a, you're going to make it someday kid. Right? I like affiliated this general that yes. <laughs> used to keep this dagger. Here you go. My little uh, future war criminal. Can't wait till you following my footsteps um I also think another another thing that I really judge Iroh on is just how much he underestimated Azula even as they were kids 
like he just gets her a doll seriously like i would be pissed Fuck too. you like yeah have you met me uncle do you have any interest in who i actually am because i wanted the humiliated generals <laughs> things well i also like Give me the more the, humiliation this... one because <laughs> this is one of two moments with azula that is like hinting at some like gender and sexuality conversations because mm. then when she's in the yard with Ty Lee, there's yes. the whole there's playing the and she sees like the affection flash. and then she immediately has to like turn on a switch and do something else like you see the glint you see the recognition that you see her recognize that moment and her own feelings and then there's mm. a turn on a dime let's change them so there's that coupled with getting the doll and being like fuck this doll I hate yeah. dolls I don't want a fucking doll and you're like also what? like gender <laughs> she like pushes psychosexual down game going on with yeah. this yeah tylee like tylee is able to do the flips perfectly and stuff and so azula pushes her over and then like, Which, uh, like tylee and azula the... are like "Ooh, watch this and they're really just making each other laugh it's it and it's just pure emotional performance for one another yeah. and i mean granted it is it it is obviously like a a bullying again yeah, like psychosexual she, was, it is a hell of a tacky situation her brother but yeah also azula looks up to her father and her father enjoys torturing his brother and cutting well, him like, down so like she yeah. is just living her life as the princess of the fire nation i love little baby azula <laughs> And like as oh, as a kid, I remember uh, a young woman. I remember like people saying like, "Oh, if he teases you, or if he like pushes you, or something, he likes you." Like or or that's how we were supposed to show affection is by teasing and by doing that. So in a patriarchal society and in one that you know values maleness over femaleness, right? Um, and where she fully identifies with every one of those patriarchal figures, exactly. every one of those male powerhouses, yeah. that is her idol she is going to emulate what it is to be male or masculine and that's or what she's male. doing the whole time like she's i am really convinced that like all of like the really like nasty things that she's saying are some version of something that she's heard an adult say a hundred percent one hundred percent people act like she's just like an evil little girl and like no like she's a lot like other little girls like she's way too smart for her own good people tend to not notice when she's like there observing she's noticed that observing she picks up things that are like powerful that she can use in other ways and she's playing she doesn't know the stakes because she's a and child she, and she's playing. but she is just she's just unfortunately cursed with that sort of double badness of not only being so gifted, skilled, talented, and observant, mm -hmm. but also having all of those capabilities in an environment that is so toxic and rewards you for bad behavior yes. and bad, bad action. Yes. Like, the worse you are, the more attention and the more accolades and the more love you'll get from us. Yeah. So for somebody to be so skilled and so, um, like from such young age being so good, mm -hmm. I mean, that's why she's so fucked up is like she had like it's at like that skill ends she up being a curse. She being really in this family. completely bankrupt 
Yeah. Like emotionally and morally. Like I find it very interesting. I'm sorry. Uh, say what you oh, want to say. No, no, no. Go ahead. I find it very. We're also like revved up with energy talking about I know, we're like When she's <laughs> Zuko saying like, haha, dad's going to kill you. Like she says it and it's kind of terrifying, honestly, to think about it if she's serious. But then she jokes like, well, maybe there's a nice like Earth Kingdom family that will take you, which is mean but not like as nasty as what you thought is before and so like it makes me think like huh so like she knows like her dad is gonna do something she doesn't think she's gonna actually kill him but she thinks like maybe she'll just give him away to some like earth kingdom family wouldn't that be funny ha 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 well, because she just wants to remove Zuko, right? So the attention is all on her because even yes. though, like, even though she is, you know, obviously right. the the more gifted physically and with like, I mean, when she's fight, like, you know, um, showing off her firebending skills in front of her grandpa, I was like, damn girl. Um, and then Zuko tries and he's just like absolutely awful. But like, yes. you know, and like for him to just like keep going, knowing that Azula is going to make fun of him, knowing that like his dad hates him and all of this, like love that, love him. It was um, a beautiful opera. <laughs> it, it was, but you're, you're so right when earlier you said like, you know, everything that she says, she like picks up on. And I'm not even sure if she like, she, I mean, because like when we look at the family, right? Like even the mom was reading that letter from Ira and they're all giggling about the wall coming down and about all yeah. of this. Right. So even though his, his mom is supposed to be like the good one, mm-hmm. right. Where like there, she is still also bad and she's complicit in this like these acts of violence yeah, right and like, she... <laughs> we're still burning down the capital of that place why oh just because we want to <laughs> so like there's a sense especially being in the palace that none of this is real right death yes. what is death whatever right and so like I do think that when she tells Zuko that like you know oh dad's gonna kill you she's super fine with that and she's like just to make him like maybe not shit his pants right there because she doesn't yeah. really have to deal with that she's probably like or maybe you'll go here whatever but like keep him on his toes right but like she she does um she doesn't hang out with her mom she doesn't care mm-hmm. about her mom she only cares about the girls that she likes or her dad and what he says yeah. so she's like literally like a fly on the wall trying to get into every room and hear these plans and hear what's happening so when she wasn't supposed to be in that room when dad was talking to grandpa you know she yeah. was there and she heard this and like before her dad even makes a play for the throne with you know with the fire lord she says like uncle's a loser like he fell apart that's not what a real fire lord would do blah 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 dad should be the fire lord right so she's already heard her dad entertain these ideas right and presumably like other people in in the nation right like because you know it's not just it's not just her dad right like it it really is just this whole culture where like now Nobody really sees Iroh for him breaking down and all of that as like somebody that they can follow, not when this is their culture, right? Like yeah. he's he is not that um he's not that that beacon of, of yeah, he's what... not the cutthroat that they 
idolize. Right. Or that they thought they idolized. Even when it comes to their own family, which just flows into my head canon that I I believe Ozai had something to do with Luten's death. I think that it's a really, really, really old, old story to like cover up a murder with a war. It's, it's biblical. It's a classic story and it only makes sense. In these political powerhouses, it does make sense. So Azula's been overhearing all of these conversations so much that she feels comfortable repeating them. Mm Mm-hmm. Like that takes planning mm-hmm. and yeah. just to think about like, and so then Ozai requests this audience with his father right after it happens in it. He says like, I'm sure you've realized as I have. And it's just like, you knew that you knew that that was a possibility that if something happened to Lutin, then you could challenge your brother. Cause he's even like right off the bat, like you're right it's like the same day he goes to his dad and he's like hey so your firstborn doesn't have an heir so um you should just skip and it should be me because i got two kids yeah right and so like i I feel like his his dad also knows like part of me also thinks like because sozin is thinking like 10 steps ahead right Mm -hmm. or it's not sozin sorry um anyways azulan Yes. Um, he's thinking 10 steps ahead, right? So he's like, okay, cool. I'm going to kill Lutin. That's going to be great. Then uh, we'll remove Iroh. And then he knows his dad, right? So what mm-hmm. is his next play going to be if I make this very bold play for the throne? Hmm. Yeah. He might try to kill my firstborn, but you know what? He's a disgrace anyway. I don't care, right? <laughs> like, I don't, I, I think that that was a calculated risk and that's fine because Azula is the star. So maybe it was even like, further in the plan because he poured more of himself into Azula knowing that, you know, whenever eventually he does make this play and eventually years down the road, kill Luton when the opportunity presented itself then, you know, Zuko's not going to be around, you know, and it's fine. So maybe that's why Zuko and him don't have that strong bond and never really did or would because he already resigned himself to not having a son because he knew this was probably going to be the price of his actions. I mean, that's possible. I I mean, like, theoretically, Zuko had every opportunity that Azula did too, every sort of teacher, every sort of thing, right? And so... But because, like, the dad bonded more with Azula than mom bonded more with Zuko, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, mom didn't know this plan. How Like, she, of course, would never have gone along with it. Uh, but he was planning. But, again, he knows his wife. He was probably, he probably even said, like, hey, let's not do this. Why don't you take the fall? I don't know. I need to read that comic no. to, to get more of the story. Yeah. But. I, I would not put that past him at all because, like, we know that he's, like, so calculated. Like, I don't, I think in the comic, I don't think they confirm whether it was her or him that actually kills Azulon, but I think it only makes sense that it's her. Then I think his response was like, oh, but then also you need to be banished now because you can't live in this kingdom where you killed the Fire Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least that's what I imagine in my head. 
Because it's either, it's one of the, I mean, it's it, it's one of many things, but I think the two biggest that we're talking about, Jess, what you're saying about, like, him intentionally distancing himself from his son in order to, like, make that decision easier, more easily, rather. Like, there's not really an emotional attachment. So the, when the time comes to essentially, like, sacrifice this kid, it's not like, oh, well, I love him. It's like, no, he's nothing. He he's He's a pointless person in this world. So there's that perspective, but there's also the level of like, is it, because in my head, I'm like also the tangential um, coupling of like Zuko with his mom mm-hmm. and the sort of like attachment to femininess, mm-hmm. having seen, oh, my son is like the sensitive femboy. He can't mm-hmm. be ruler because he's a mama's boy and he's sensitive and he he is he is so attached to like all things that are feminine, all gender aside, mm-hmm. he is the more feminine of the kids. Whereas Azula is by far the most masculine, the most assertive, the most sort of male affirming yeah. character of the children. So maybe there is that most. level of like, Oh, well obviously we're going to kill the femme one, but sure. again, it's oh, like a chicken absolutely. or the egg thing. Cause too, cause like if he were to distance himself, obviously Zuko is going to seek, a parental figure for emotional support. So like, oh, well, if my dad hates me, obviously I'm going to go to my mom. So it's whatever it is, or like, it's fucked and it's really like, gross. He like went in those years, like he was a cream puff. He was, he was the crowned prince. And then they were mad that he wasn't like more hardcore. Um, where with Azula, it just came much more naturally to her. Um, and so he struggled, like he just, he wasn't in the environment where he could thrive. And so I think that also says something about their culture where they naturally, because he wasn't thriving there, wanted to just throw him away. also interesting to watch the moments that people uh um what is the word where they dissociate where they like fall out what is it when you discharge Mm -hmm. where they discharge themselves essentially from the culture it's always at a moment of empathy so this culture is so driven around the idea of it's you it's self-centered it's only about you even amongst families like i would kill him for power like it does not matter who was just like the smartest and most cunning to yeah and so what Every, every point we've seen a character distance himself from the Fire Nation, it's at a point of empathy where mm-hmm. something has broken, right? Like, even the mom in this moment where she's like, if somebody came after my kids, everything would fucking change, yeah. and I don't care. Suddenly that, she's faced with it, and she's like, fuck, wait, I am a mom. outside. Like, yeah. I have a family outside of this. Empathy wall, I'm out. Like, yeah. fuck that. Fuck this system, fuck the dynasty. Same with, uh, um, um... Iroh, this moment where his son dies, he's like, wait, I'm a dad. I have a family and my yeah. son is gone. Like, wait, the these fuck? people have yeah. families. Like, wait, what? Like, holy shit. And it's this moment, the the epiphany of empathy yeah. that all of these characters hit. And suddenly it's like, wait, there's a world outside of this culture that I've been taught and reamed. Like, in. That's the line I will. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'll have a empathy pool. Something else that's very fun that I didn't even realize until just now. 
Iroh is a general and he's out there, right? And he's doing it. What the fuck is his brother doing? Just all cozy behind, like, you know, behind yeah. the palace walls where, like, Iroh and his son are literally on the front lines, like, you know, doing, you know, uh, carrying out the will of the Fire Lord and the Fire Nation. Like, generally, like, you would think that, you know, both sons would be, like, generals and, like, you know, doing, like, I don't know, something. But, like, uh, that's also probably another calculated move where he even where again calculated that his son was going to be murdered and that he was going to fall and fail and then he mm. was going to be fire lord so he wasn't actually going to have to go and be on the front lines but he could push somebody else over there and like oh my god so, like, here's here's oh. here's my other thought on that Jess is like cuz there's also the idea of like what if Ozai was like the runt of the brothers he was the yes, one who was a little it. bit less than because as a general I mean, uh, Iroh is so powerful. He's like literally so heralded as like the most egregious, scariest, most loved yeah. general. And like he is the one at the front lines, whereas his brother, who is not capable of doing what yeah. he's doing. So this power play to like kill his son on the battlefield so he would break. Mm -hmm. And suddenly he is the only logical next choice. It's just great. It's I like, and... And I maybe this this he story. sees something. He sees something in Zuko in what he sees in himself as the weaker of the siblings, right? Because he is the weak of the brothers. Zuko is the weak of him and Azula. So maybe he's like, "Fuck it!" Like I, I won't have. Yeah, I don't know. You know how we talk so about like <laughs> if there's like an adult version or, or like you know, uh, um, a non like two thousands Nickelodeon version of this. I mm. want this all in there. I want I, I yeah. want this so bad. This new show better be uh, a rocker. Uh, like that's a reason that will make up for all of the other bullshit decisions that they've made. And I want to be yeah. open to being surprised by that, but who knows? There's a million who knows disappoint me. Um yeah. yeah, what was I going to say? Um oh, I also think it's strategic. Like, I think, um, and I think I had talked about this before, like, if you imagine this from, like, Ozai's perspective, like, all he wants is to be Fire Lord and eventually, like, you know, Emperor of the World or whatever. And so it's, for him, it's just power, 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 power. But he had the disluck of being born second. And so he sees like his older brother who has this immense head start on him because he is the birthright um, that even though he's not perfect, it's probably like driving Ozai, Ozai crazy that like, oh, just because he's like the firstborn, even though I know that he's not as ruthless, as hard and manly as I am he's going to get to be fire lord and i don't have anything to say about it um and so i just imagine him kind of stewing on that um and that kind of naturally leading him to understanding exactly how he might bump his older brother off and if you think about it like his big brother he is leading this siege on bossing say that if he succeeds it's a wrap 
Like he's gonna be Fire Lord. It's like his their dad was old enough. We know that it would happen eventually. Like it's definitely happening. And so I think it's and it's the day. The day he just did yeah. it. He literally broke the wall. He had just broken through the wall. And so I think Ozai knows like it's now or never. And I also think that it's strategic that Ozai is at home close to their father instead mm-hmm. of on the battlefield, whereas you can see anything could happen. And yeah, so yeah. like Ozai is also kind of a strategic genius because he knows in the chaos of war, he can bump out his brother and his brother has so much more to lose even though it looked like his brother was about to win everything. So then I, again, pulling everything back, I want to know who his allies are in this and who is involved in this conspiracy, how he pulled those people to his Uh, side, what he promised them, like how, you know, seeing like Iroh, knowing who he is, knowing like, you know, like how he was like, yeah, fuck that guy i'm the one that you want you know what i mean like i want i mean this not to be wild but like this one episode and this whole everything that we're being told it could be such a good like political thrilling show on its own on its own like i would watch the shit like i want to know that history i want to know the cousin i want to know iris kids i am iroh because i just i i know that there has to be so much more to the story like you said, oh, yeah. there's like going to be people who were like in Iroh's camp, who are in Ozai's camp. Lots of other just like dirty little things going on. And and I'm sure Iroh was also kind of taking part in some of that too. So like, let's yeah. see. Let's see Iroh. I want to see the history and- of that. Let's see him maybe be a little bit nasty. Let's see what he did to keep him in power and to keep him in a station above his brother. I imagine like like, killing his son was probably like the ultimate like, and now it's over. There's no more back and forth between us, brother. We've, we've traded it off a million times, but now it's done. Could you imagine watching a show where Iroh's a villain? <laughs> Wouldn't that be so bizarre? Like, what if after uh, Ozai has Iroh's son killed, if Iroh instead went the other way? <laughs> what if he went? Okay, because here's here's also my other point. It's like everyone in this show mm. that we've seen who 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 pulls themselves again from that empathy wall, Azula hit it as well when they're on that cable crossing that um straight and and uh, Tylee turns on her. Mm-hmm. That's her moment where she's like, wait, yeah, fuck. But she goes the opposite way. Whereas everyone else is like, you know what? Fuck the Fire Nation. Fuck my family. You know what? Like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. She's like, oh, you want to fuck with me and my family? I can go fucking, I can do whatever. I, and you're like, oh, so she falls off, off the other side. And she dives even further into the madness that is this family and this power structure. And it's like, and it's wait, so cool to watch. who's your family? It's just your dad because your uncle, your mom, and your brother and your friends she, are all on this other side. Who is your family? What does this mean? And this is somebody that has never actually like taken the hard look that we see Zuko doing this right where you know he you know 
again, he's living with like kindness and violence. And, you know, um, just he has like these conflicting ideals that he's growing up with. But then even in kindness, there is violence, you know, like with again, with his mom. Right. So it's like when there are bullies. But he's thinking about that. We see him process new, new information when he like gets information about like how the Fire Nation puts um which I never picked up on this and it's really insidious. The Fire Nation puts uh prisoners of war from, you know, uh the Earth Nation on the front lines dressed in Fire Nation garb so they're killing their own people. And without without weapons. Yeah. Without weapons. One of right? the darker things that they mention in like this first one. Absolutely because they also insidious. they skirt around a lot of the insidious shit like every everything that is like really nasty or bad or like heartbreakingly terrible is implied. Mm-hmm. This is one of the one of the things that they're like, no, 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 straight up. We take the prisoners of war, yeah. put them in the front, do not give them right. weapons. They're the first ones killed. Like, so, okay. Oh, that's like totally. Death. Right. Your Got dad it. was gonna murder you. Your sister and- was gonna was teasing you about your father coming to murder you. Like that was gonna be. <laughs> Like, that and, is so traumatic. And still, he's just like, no, it's okay. My daddy loves me. And like, I'm going to figure like, this out. Oh, I'm going to be here. My daddy burned me. Don't worry. I'm coming, right? But so, like, he was blindly following that, you know, like, my family. I'm going to earn the respect of my family. My family, yeah. like, this toxic honor, idea. Honor, And then... Here, this episode, we see him, you know, and we, we had the episodes before that we talked about where he, you know, had this moment, but he still did the wrong thing, yeah. you know, and he still fucked other people over where he's like, actually, like the floor is literally falling out from under him at a, like very early on in the episode. And he like starts to think about how his decisions affect others. And that in turn, you know, triggers memories of his mom and how decisions back then affected him and his situation and where he was and his family and what that meant for him you know and so like through him doing that he's also able to like you know he he starts to become a part of like even for a minute like the community of that like earth nation family right where he's working for food he's protecting them and then when the earth nation bullies come up right and like there, you know, he he's started to do this introspection. He started to like figure out himself, what feels good, what doesn't, why, you know, he's on his own. Um, then we see him like fully embrace this and be like, yo, I'm the crown prince, blah, blah, blah. Get the fuck out of here. You don't belong. And when he goes, uh, this is something that I think is so fucking brilliant about the show. When mm-hmm. he goes to um to try to like you know talk to the kid and the mom they were like no you get the fuck out like they don't even say thank you for like you know like saving us from this person they don't anything they're just like you are not welcome here get the fuck out of here so he fully embraces himself and what that means to be part of the family and the culture that he came from, right? Yeah. We don't see him. He isn't like, oh, but I'm okay, but I'm a good guy, but I just saved you. He doesn't try yeah. to, like, make excuses for what he's done. He doesn't try to, like, change their mind or anything. He's like, I'm out of here. Doesn't, like, he's, like, that's when I think he changes and he's like, I need to make it. Like, he starts to think about 
what do what how can I fix this what are amends what like I'm not this person but I am this person what does that mean so he's starting to accept all sides of himself and repairing that with within himself so then later on Zuko can start to repair that relationship with literally the rest of the world this is literally the first time like obviously we like Zuko just because we know where he goes but this is the first time in the story that he is making like adult decisions adult emotionally driven decisions that are not self-centered like this is the first like I mean that first sequence where he doesn't steal from the pregnant nomad family on the road is like oh wow really okay we just saw him a couple episodes being like why can't I just take whatever I want it's like it's growth and then we're watching all of this happen and Jess you're so right that last scene when he embraces who he is and he does not when they're like fuck you and fuck your family he's like yeah yeah we are really fucked up and he literally he doesn't try to hide who he is and he doesn't want like because that's another form of abuse and taking advantage of these people right so he declares who he is he's like I'm not hiding anymore I'm this person like you know and and I love that i love that because he's not like well when i get out of here i'm gonna be okay he's like no these people will feel betrayed and they're right to they're right to do all this but i'm not going to live a lie anymore and him trying to give the knife back just like this is yours and the kid being like fuck you Mm -hmm. i don't want your knife he's like yeah that's fair fair and you're like like it's just it's the most like astute it's like the coolest zuko has ever been in this show where he's yeah. taking, he's like the first time he's ever been like accountable or realistic and not like a child who is so hell bent on daddy's approval and so passionate. And not to say that it's his fault, because again, Jesus Christ, what a family. <laughs> but like, it's the first time that you're seeing him really own that, own this title, own this trauma, own these bad, horrible, awful, awful things yeah. that the rest of the world has been imbued with because of his family. And just because of his circumstance and he's like yeah great yeah it's like it's like you're seeing the seeds of atonement and it's like so satiating especially for zuko because it's like he's been such a brat so this first episode where it's like i mean again to me it's like a western he's like the lone cowboy it's so great watching him go on this journey it's so cool you see his kind of like he has all this shame wrapped up in like not being good enough not being not being able to do the special kickflip in the air. Um, one thing that I noticed on this rewatch was that like in like the kind of final scene where he's like battling um, the earthbender and this is like before he reveals that he is a firebender. Um, his fighting style is almost like completely different. Uh, and it just made me think of um, what ultimately makes him worthy of being Aang's teacher in the long run is that he knows restraint. He knows how important it is to know exactly what you're doing, why you're using your what you're what you're bleh, what you're using your fire for, um, and, and that the consequences. Being, yeah, and the consequences of misusing your fire and that can be applied to just the culture of the fire nation it can be applied to how his father treats him and everybody around him and it can be applied to how he is deciding 
to live his life. And so like for the first time we see him choosing to hold back his fire. Also, you know, it, it helps to hold, like hide his identity. Um, but his fighting style is like completely different. It's stronger. It's much more thought out. Uh, and I feel like this is the moment when he becomes worthy of teaching the Avatar. Also, because, like, I feel like like fire spreads, right? At, like, influence, right? And mm-hmm. his family for so long has used that influence is like, domination and death and destruction and everything, right? And, like, we know from Korra that Zuko has a huge hand in rebuilding the world and in doing literally everything that he can to, like, help bring it back together and to, like, you know, undo like or repair the world from the damage that his family has caused even though it's not him specifically that did that it was his family and his people and like he has a big hand in changing the culture of the fire nation right and like for so long the you know fire is both life and destruction it is life and death literally and his family used that for death and, you know, their their influence in that way. And so for him to change that and change how, like, change it into a tool rather than just something that is, like, wildly, you know, destructive is, I, I think, is is also, like, feeds into your point, Amber, where he, this is where he, he is worthy of being that teacher. And, yes. you know, it, yeah, it's so good. And he's... It's a it's a really good episode. So good. it's it, it's like again it's like ex, it's so exposition heavy, but like necessary. Yes, it's like necessary exposition, and it's also not overdone. It's like you we get what we need to, the the severity is implied, and we're what like it's just what a cool way to tell this journey of like like restorative trauma like like you're watching him in real time like something's happening okay what's the traumatic thing that he's breaking through now and it's like now this is happening like what's the thing in his past it's just like a really good storytelling device for especially for Zuko and it's like it's just I know we're pretty far in the show now but it's just so cool to see Zuko change. I think we're I'm just I'm, halfway I, I, through. It also makes yeah. me feel like part of what triggered these, what I'm pretty sure were had to be like buried memories. Like they probably like these weren't memories he had like visited often. I probably hadn't like thought as much about or probably like only had an emotion connected to them. Um, but there was something in in the flashback when Azula is teasing him and she says, well, maybe a nice earthbender family will take you in. Um, and he is having that flashback literally as he's staying with this nice earthbender family. And it's like, it's the first time he's <laughs> able to even like access like, oh, what was that again? Oh, that was a really traumatic thing that I buried. Yeah. It's like he's these moments of like triggered past that just instantly take him back to this space. And you're like, it's just like, it's so well done and cool. And I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. Um, There's some very nice visual feasts that you definitely have to check out when watching this episode. 
Um, there's this nice visual when um, Zuko is helping the father on the roof. You see like the father is like, you know, skillfully hammering in the nails to the- And there's like 10 yes! bent nails in front of him. <laughs> wasted ones, probably like wasting those poor people's money. Um, and I another one of those like rich people don't know how to do shit. Like he's literally so unskilled, has never worked a day in his life. One hundred percent, like the gravelly. I don't want to talk about my past, like cowboy. He like doesn't know how to like do shit. He's fucking Batman. Yeah. That's his whole deal. He is Batman. He doesn't know how to do anything. <laughs> um, and also just the beautiful. My favorite is the sunflower field. And the little boy playing with the swords in the field. Um, and I know I had read some article somewhere. I think that there's some visual significance of the sunflower on the boy's head as he like lifts up and he's like, sorry, sir, I took your swords. Um, and it's just, it's just beautiful. It's just, you want to hug that moment. It's so nice. Um, we've all known a kid like that. That's like, Hey, you're nice. I want to talk about everything ever. And I want to learn everything from you. Um, and you'll be this like tortured soul, but this little kid just, you know, sees awesome. There's, there's another person around because I was fucking lonely and I like people being around. And what's gonna what's the worst the the worst part about that is is that's gonna be the first big heartbreak of that kid. Yes. For sure. Jess, what it what, what okay. are you really hard for that kid? Yeah. Like he's lonely, he's missing his brother, his parents are like scared as shit. Things are hard, there are bullies. And then, like, he had, like, a little sliver of hope with this stranger, but then it turns out the stranger is basically, like, a Nazi and probably could literally have, could have killed them, could have been a spy, could have done anything to them. He's, like, literally the son of Hitler. And he's, like, wait, no, but I'm not like my dad. And you're, like, I'm Johnny you. Hitler. Go away. <laughs> yeah. Literally leave. Like, you trash piece of shit like <laughs> we hate you go die and it's like oh fuck <laughs> fuck away from us yeah yeah okay okay sorry <laughs> i while you were going like and and talking about that and i did not listen so i will hear this on the playback totally <laughs> um, i i had to know i found a an article from screen rant about what happened to zuko's mother and i have to i have to say because we were right on the fucking money Okay, so um, first of all, um, Ursa is the granddaughter of Roku, yes. which I did not know. And she had a first love and they had just gotten engaged. And then uh, the Fire Lords shows up to her doorstep and is like, no, you're going to marry my son because the bloodline, the, the benders that you're going to produce is going to be way more powerful. And she's mm. like, no, but my my dude. And he was like, no, Um we're going to kill him if you don't come with us. And she's like, fine. And so she goes, she marries, um, uh, marries him, gives him two kids. Okay, fine. And then um, she, it is confirmed in the comics that she did kill uh, the Fire Lord with, because she's an herbalist, an incredible, er, 
an incredible herbalist and she used her um her herbalism skills to create a poison that was odorless um and slip it into his food and that that was concocted by Ozai and her to save Zuko's life because he was going to very much kill Zuko. Uh, The caveat to this is after she, you know, poisoned the Fire Lord, she had to leave so she would not use the same poison on Ozai. She was never allowed to be in the Fire Nation ever again. So she left. And then she ended up meeting her first betrothed dude who had... A different oh, they appearance got back together. because he had asked a god to like change his appearance so that way um uh the the fire lord wouldn't kill him so anyways so she had like a nice ending i guess um but yeah so she did kill him and she was sent away because ozai was afraid of her which is interesting because that's exactly what azula does to people in the end of avatar so anyways i feel way smarter now and way oh, more yes. just more, way more. confirmed that i feel very good yeah we were right on the video i never picked that up you guys i never picked that up like the <laughs> the first or second time like because it's so it's well written if you're like just watching this as a kid so show good. you're There's not going to pick up on the rewatch it and is it's worth it yeah cool uh, Dang, well, it's a good so show cool. Okay. So, like, the last <laughs> thing I wanted to say about this episode is just, like, yeah, how proud I am of Zuko in the end, where, like, yes, he stands up and he's like, yeah, I'm Zuko, I'm crown prince of the Fire Nation, um, because he's not ashamed of that, even though he's, like, really coming face to face with how disgusting his family is. Um, and then just, like, the absolute hurt of, like, this stranger in a random uh earth kingdom village being like no i heard of you your own father burned and disowned you and i was like oh ouch ouchie and he didn't do anything like, about it like, normally he'd be like how dare you blah blah and he's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like somebody he's like i'm this is like aren't you the loser didn't your family doesn't your family fucking hate you and like, it's like, I mean, yeah. yeah and i wanted to be like and so shouldn't you guys give me some fucking slack like yeah just give me <laughs> you think I represent I was, them? I ones kid. Me out. That's all. There's no agenda. Yeah. I'm sorry. Gee. But that's that's why his actions are so like like commendable. Like it's just so. It is a very real turning point for Zuko. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Zuko has several turning points because it takes quite a while for oh, him to fully yeah. accept it himself. Which what which is why it makes the other moments later when he makes the wrong choice yeah. so much harder because you're like no <laughs> like you've done like, it you we've seen know it. that this is bad why would you want yeah to back into totally a culture that did this to you and your mother you were yeah. a sweet little boy sleeping in your bed you didn't deserve to be murdered. I don't care if you like fell while you were doing your route. Like you, why would you ever want to go back to that? Um, but it takes a while for him to accept that that is not happiness for him. And I do, I really do like that. He has that moment where like right now we're like, fuck yeah, Zuko, you got this. And he does backslide, right? He is like, Oh, well, 
But my dad said he's going to accept me because as somebody that has family that would do I want my mommy? Do I want like, you know, just actual any fucking family because I don't have any? Absolutely. Like, and but like, and did I like, you know, there were times where I like, you know, where I distanced myself from them and I was like, I'm never talking to anybody again. And then I would eventually be like, oh, but I miss them or oh, they promised they've changed and it would it, it never happened. Right. So it took me several times of being in that toxic mess and like just because I wanted that connection and I longed for that connection. So I think having him really like, you know, reach this point of like enlightenment or like, you know, this realization where like he starts to like understand and like go back to his family after all of this, like is so meaningful and so real because like if you've ever been in that situation you know I mean it it really is heartbreaking and you know you eventually have to come to realize that like even though you want these people to be in your life it's you don't want them to be in your life you want this version of like you know reconciling what that means and what you actually want it's and realizing that you're never going to get that so um i love that he he does backslide even after having a moment like this where you're like this is zuko this is 100 percent him as viewers we see we're like we know this zuko like this is him he is so cool he is so confident he is everything that he should be but like again like just just not having that and seeing other people have have a connection you know with their parents or that you wish that you had like i'm sure if like I'm sh- 100% sure if Aang was in the same situation, he would have the exact same thing. But the only problem mm-hmm. is everybody, I mean, even though airbenders are, are great, um, if if Aang was in Zuko's position, he was like the son of the fire lord, he would do the exact same thing, 100%. Yeah. Because, but Aang has nobody to go back to, you know? And so I think that that's also something really interesting that they can both relate on where Zuko doesn't have family, you know, by the end of this, right? I mean, whether they're dead, whether they're, you know, have no bending, you know, but he he makes that decision, whereas Aang also doesn't have family. And so in that moment, like, I mean, they're they're brothers, you know, they really do come together and like understand each other, I think, in a way that nobody else will for even though they have different backgrounds or like how they got to where they are, you know, Um, and I think that's, you know, when you see somebody that has that same you know, sometimes you can look at somebody like, and I did this with my husband, you can look at somebody and you're like, I know you, we haven't even really talked. We don't really know anything about each other or, you know, like maybe like, I don't really like you or you did some mean things, but you know what? I see you and I see where you're at. And I think that Zuko and Aang have those moments several Mm -hmm. times, you know, before they like really connect where it's like, you know, the blue spirit, right? There's like these moments where they're just like, no, I see you. I got you. Um, But anyways, I think it's, it's so cool. It's so real. And um, one of uh, the reasons why I love Zuko so much. And another element of that is, um, so the other iteration we have of like this idea is uh, in Legend of Korra, when they have that episode of Korra alone, and it's Korra traveling around alone, and she's dealing with painful memories, and she's dealing with 
trying to find herself again. And so I like that parallel. Again, that connection between the Avatar and the Fire Lord, even in another life, that is kind of foreshadowing that Korra is also going to have to like go through this journey of really trying to find herself and feeling like lost and disconnected and not sure which way is up. This episode is so, so good. And this so is the good. this is the moment I fell in love with Zuko. I was like, this character. It's a significant episode. And honestly, they put everything into it from like the visuals to the script to like performances. All of it is just, it's what is so special about this show. Yeah. It's excellent. I it, this is also one of the episodes that I kind of glaze over the first couple times I watched the show. It's just like it just happened. It's like yeah, like, cool, of course. Oh, and this is them showing him becoming a good guy. We saw that kind of happening. Kind of. Yeah. But as like as I'm paying attention to this, I'm like, oh, this is like significant and intense. Yeah, much more, much more so than and I intentional, not thought. just like yes. oh, bad guy becomes good. We see his traumatic backstory. Oh my gosh, like. It's actually really thoughtful. And it's only yeah. like 22 minutes. And there's still these like cute, funny moments that happen, you know? Yeah. Um, like the turtle ducks are so cute. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. I'm so happy the turtle, turtle duck mom bit his ass. All the little pig sheep and I'm pig cows. So, would, like, like, oh my God. Fuck me up. There's so Jenny, many. Azula, Tylee, and May. Adorable so cute yeah. in their little schoolgirl outfits hanging yeah. out in the garden little rich girls like i just i would watch that show so much there is like this trend of like you know anime like there's attack on titan baby attack on titan right when they're all like yeah. in, uh, i don't care about that but i would watch the hell out of that for, like <laughs> for... Baby versions, yes yeah yeah. yeah, I would. So yeah, okay. Good episode. Great Thanks episode. Some- I feel like that's it, right? Yeah, great episode. Lots in the past. Lots of foreshadowing in the future. And we're doing it. Maybe like the biggest lesson from the episode is that alone time is important. Oh my god! Yeah, mm-hmm. you need to um, process and um, what is the reflect and like reflect Reflect. oh my god reflect alone time is important like journaling (laughs) you want to know what my brain was telling me to say instead of reflect what emote on whimsy and past i mean yeah i was like what i mean that's it but in my head i was like no there's a word it's not that that there's a word (laughs) i love jesus (laughs) i know it sounds it sounds so much more like silly and gay the other way um okay well thank you so much for joining us here today on another gorgeous little episode of the moments and the oppas yes uh this wonderful music and masterful editing is by eric lafibri our artwork is by david tercero oh don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcast it really helps us and it really helps you because it's helping us helping you yeah um what is also always helpful um and had a 
a place in our episode today, remember that Uncle Iroh is a war criminal. Totally. He's a war criminal. A war criminal. We, we saw it. We seen it, y'all. Yeah. We saw it. We saw we it. We saw him in his uniform. Here. It's it's right there. Don't ignore he, it, people. Jumping out. Okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Oh my god, so many kisses. Love you. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. Don't you hate when you're watching one of your favorite movies and think, whoa, that didn't age well? Or when you see a reboot of your childhood fave and think, did we really need this? Honestly, same. same. That's why we started the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. That's Jessica Tercero. And that's Eric Lefebvre. Come join us for our bi-weekly conversations about pop culture reboots centered around things like the patriarchy, systemic racism, harmful stereotypes and overgeneralizations, and really just distinguishing when people just need to sit this one out. Listen in on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. That's Nostalgia, spelled N-O-T-S-T-A-L-G-I-A. Get it? Not-stalgia. Like nostalgia, but with an extra T, so it's like not-stalgia. <laughs> follow us for fun, critical conversations about media. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Bye! Bye.